Good morning. Hey, Bob, stand up back there real quick. Come on. Yeah. Bob's a great part of our house and and uh, and so excited about his book. Stop by and see. Hey, I want to take just one minute and just talk about our amazing kids camp. Wow. Was it, it was amazing. Um, everybody that was at kids camp, worked at kids camp, helped. Kids Count, would you please stand? Angela already walked out, but let's give these people a big hand. Come on, come on. Loving our kids. It was amazing. I can't wait till next year. It was so good. We will get ready to do it again. And then this week, our, our youth is leaving. We want to keep them in prayer. They're leaving for ramp, and it's going to be so much fun, and they're, they're going to be blessed, and I'm excited about what God's doing in our Youth and I, I, I told Angela, I said, "Listen, when I watched those kids worship and how they just moved in the spirit, uh, they did a lot of jumping at first, you know. Like, and Angela did too. And uh, I was amazed at Angela uh, and some others who continue to jump. Tessie, I wish I had a little bit of Tessie's energy. And uh, and uh, so while they jumped, I just said, "Praise God, I'm jumping on the inside." And uh, I tried to jump while I go, and I couldn't even get off the ground. And so, uh, but. Um, but I just loved it when they were jumping, they were having a blast. But then when they headed into the deep worship, man, they also flowed into that. They transitioned to that deep places with God. And I don't see a lot of kids just transitioning like that into deep places of worship with tears flowing down their face and just, and just loving to worship. And I, I just want to give our children's team a hand for that. They're doing a fantastic job of teaching our kids how to worship. Uh, let's pull those declarations back up this morning. I didn't plan on doing this. I did this in first service, but I didn't plan on doing this in my message. But as, uh, as uh, we received today's offer, we're believing you for, and then we say these words, but do we really have passion to believe them? Is there any testimonies in the house today of since you've been saying these, these declarations over your life that you've seen God do some supernatural things in your finances and in other places in your life? Any, anybody in this house today? All right. When we declare, when we declare with our mouth what the Lord has already said about us, that's important that you catch that, what the Lord has already said about us, when we begin to declare those things, the life and death is in the power of the tongue. And as we declare those things over our life, we're not just saying words every Sunday morning, but we're declaring over our life the purpose of the kingdom of God. And, and we say there's an open heaven, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, decorations, impartations, and divine manifestations. How many want to see those things in your life? Okay, half of y'all do. The rest of y'all, I feel sorry for you. All right. Heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, decorations, impartations, divine manifestations. Go on. Anointing giftings and calls, positions and promotions, provision and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free, carrying out kingdom revelation. Everybody say kingdom revelation. There's only one way you can have kingdom revelation. It's through right relationship with the king. You can't have kingdom revelation just by head knowledge. Kingdom revelation comes through right relationship with the king. My wife and I know each other pretty well. As a matter of fact, she can look at me from across the room and just say a whole sentence that nobody else can hear. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. 
because of relationship, because of intimacy. I know what she's thinking. I know what she's saying with her eyes. I know what she's saying because we are in an intimate relationship. If we want kingdom revelation where God can wink at us and we can understand what he's saying, then we have to be in relationship with him. That only comes out of intimacy. Next. Uh, thank you, Father, that as we join our value system to yours, you shower favor and blessing and increase upon me so that I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. As I join my value system to yours. How many want your value system to be joined with a heavenly value system? A heavenly value system. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about just that thing. When, when we live under an open heaven, having our lives under an open heaven where God is speaking to us. How many believe that God is speaking to us all the time? He's speaking to us all the time. How many believe that sometimes we have a hard time hearing? We have a difficult time hearing. One of the reasons we have a difficult time hearing is because we have not fully connected our value system with heaven. We're in the process of doing that. We're, 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 we're learning. We're, we're walking that out. As we learn more and more about the value system of heaven and we learn more about how to turn the noise off in our life, then we begin to hear God clear about what he's speaking in our life. God's desiring to spend time with you and to share with you the secrets of heaven for your life. The secrets of heaven for your life. When I call them the secrets of heaven, I don't mean that they're secrets that he's withholding. I mean simply this. He has things in store for your life that he wants to tell you. He desires to speak into your life. They're secrets that, are, that he's holding for you, just like a, 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 that he wants to, desires to tell you and you only, not everyone else. It's just you and him. And when you get into that heavenly, open heaven and a heavenly realm, he begins to share with you the things that he's already spoken over you and that he's already said about you, that he already believes about you. And then we begin to align our value system and our values with heavenly values, and then we begin to see those played out in the earthly realm as God anoints us to do and to fulfill his will for our lives. And so for several years, we have been praying this passage of Scripture in Matthew 6 over our lives. In Matthew 6, the Scripture says this, reading from the Passion Translation, Manifest your kingdom realm and cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as, as it is in heaven. We're pulling on heaven today and saying, Heaven, we want heaven to come. We want heaven to come. When I was a kid growing up, we always uh, sang songs about when we get to heaven. I've learned that I can pull heaven to earth. I don't have to wait to when I get to heaven or when I, I don't have to wait for another day or another time. But right now I'm reaching up because I'm a child of the king. I, I, I am a king's kid. Come on, I know you've heard me preach this before, but I don't know that we hear it preached, but I don't know if we really get a hold of the idea, Michael, that we are children of the king. And that when we pull on heaven and we say, Lord, let your manifest present, let you, who you are and the value systems of heaven become my value systems, then I begin to walk in the fullness of who he created me to be. And that's such a powerful, powerful thing. And as we live out our passions for open heaven, we will begin to see our life and other lives transformed. We will begin to see miracles become the norm. Miracles should be the norm in our life. Everywhere we go, should we carry 
the healing and the power of Jesus in our life. And, and as Bill would say it, we need to learn how to leak all over the people around us the goodness of God. And so that when we walk into a room that we are carrying this, we are carrying healing, we're carrying deliverance, we're carrying peace, we're carrying joy. And we become those carriers that walk into Starbucks and, 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 and there's somebody there, their life is in chaos and all of a sudden they feel something change in the room. You say, oh, you're saying because you walked in the room something changed? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that when I walk into the room, if I've been in his presence and I'm carrying that anointing in my life, when I step into the room, it should transform the, the atmosphere in the room so that they begin to feel what I carry. Have you ever had someone evil walk into a room or bad or a situation? You've had your kids and all of a sudden you found yourself gathering your children up close to you. He's like, ooh, ooh they're carrying something. I'm going to protect my kids. Well, if you can feel that, they should so much more feel heavenly realm walk into the room. They should feel the presence of God and say, oh, I feel peace just walked into this place. And you're a carrier of peace in a turmoil world. I turned the news on this week and I began to watch the news. I haven't watched the news in several weeks. And, and I was listening to all the blah, 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 you know, this political stuff. And, you know, this person's bad, this person's good, and this person's right, and this person's wrong. And what do you think and your opinion and all that? And I was listening to all of this noise and I just like, oh, my Lord. We have so got caught up, we get so caught up in the opinions of man and the opinions of the political realm around us and the opinions of all of these things that have very, really little to do with our lives. Little to do with our lives. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, whoever steps into office ultimately cannot affect me because I am a king's kid and I'm walking under a different uh, a manifestation in a different kingdom. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world because I'm walking in heavenly places. Are you with me this morning? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So I believe that every believer has the assignment to see heaven come. As we pray for God's purpose to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every day we get up, Lord, I surrender my will to your purpose and your plan. Let me say it simply for you. As we're submitting to do his purpose, his plan in our life, we say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And through our willingness to submit, we have given authority, he, we have been given authority to operate as ambassadors of heaven. We, we walk in authority when we submit our will to his plan. We walk in authority when we submit our purpose and our plans to his purpose and plans. As we align ourselves with the culture of heaven, then we become like him and we simply can do the things that he did. Everybody talks about the things that Jesus did. I want you to know today, uh, not that I'm calling you Jesus, but we have Jesus Christ in us. We have Holy Spirit in us. And I'm telling you that we're supposed to be doing the things that he did. We're supposed to be walking the authority that he did. We're supposed to be casting out devils like he did. We're supposed to be healing the sick like he did. We're supposed to be seeing blind eyes open like he did. We ought to be transformed nations like he did. We're called to do that. Now, we don't do that within our own power or with our own. Listen, people are not interested in your theology if you don't carry the presence of God. Can I get a better amen? People don't carry your philosophies or your ideas if you don't carry something that's transformational and changes the life and changed your life and changes their life. 
So what we oftentimes do, we get caught up in head knowledge, but we don't have relationship transformation our experience in walking with him and doing what he did. But we are, as, as we adapt ourselves and we align ourselves with heaven's culture, then we begin to do the things he did. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus. We are a, we are a countryman that's in this earth, but we're a, of another authority. We're a colony on this earth, but we are under the authority of heaven's rule and heaven's provision. And John 14 says, I tell you this time, this truth, that the person who follows me in faith, believing me, would do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. So what does kingdom culture look like? Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the things that I believe create a kingdom culture, not only in our church, but in our personal lives and our walk with God. Listen, I, I, I want to say this morning, I don't want to be uh, in any kind of way, uh, I don't want this to come across arrogant, but listen, I, I care little about just having another church. I mean, there's a lot of churches. I mean, we live in the South. There's a church just about on every corner, you know, pick one, you know what I'm saying? But I, I care little about just being another church. And I'm not saying the other churches are bad. That's not my point either. I, I believe that I, what I'm saying is for this house, I want us to live out a kingdom culture that tra that's transforming and changing the lives, our lives and the lives of people around us. Amen. And well, what we do here today is amazing. Thank you, Peyton, again, and team for the worship. It was amazing. I feel the presence of God here, and this is glorious. But when we walk out the doors, do we still carry the same glory that we feel in the house? And when we do, then we know we're living in a kingdom culture. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. So what does a kingdom culture look like? The first thing I want to talk about is, God is good. How many believe that God is good? Amen. Now, with our head knowledge, we'll always say, well, God is good because no one would dare say God is bad, right? Oh, yeah, oh, God, he's not so good. He's kind of bad. No, we would dare say that because with our head knowledge, we'd, oh, that would be terrible to say. But we could say God is good, but do we believe that God is good? Right. Do we really believe that God is good and that he does not desire to do us wrong but he desires for us to be live our life full of joy and peace and hope and all of those things god is good look at your neighbor and say god's good <laughs> then ask him say do you believe that psalms 145 psalms 145 you're kind and tender-hearted to those who deserve it and you very patient with people who fail you. How many has God been patient with and your failure? Okay, so mo most of y'all hadn't failed. That's awesome. How about the rest of us that failed? Has God been good to you in your failure? Can I get amen? God is good. I mean, I, I am blown away by how good God is because I've done some really stupid things. I've done some things that I, if I could reel those back in, I wouldn't do those things ever again because they were really dumb. But God loved me in my stupidity. 
God loved me in my failure. God loved me in my brokenness. Your love is like flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. God, everyone sees your goodness. For your tender love is blended into everything you do. Everything you have made will praise you, fulfilling its purpose. And all your godly lovers will be found bowing before you. How many godly lovers do we have in this place today? I want to be a godly lover before I am a good husband. I want to be a godly lover before I'm a good father. I want to be a godly lover before I'm a, a good pastor or preacher. I want to be a godly lover above everything else. Because I have a God who's had so much compassion and so much love and so much patience with me that I want to return to him with everything that's within inside of me as a godly lover who bows before him at, at my creator and sits at his feet because he is a good, good father. And that he loves me all the time. Not only is God good, but he's in a good mood. God's in a good mood. I, I know if you're around people, you know, sometimes people are not in a good mood. You, you ever been around somebody and you always like, before you said anything, you like, what kind of mood are they in? What, what, what's the temperature of the room today? Should I say hello or should I just not? Uh, should I ask how you're doing? I might not want to be here that long. All of those things, because we're people, we're people, we're human beings. But let me tell you something. God is always in a good mood. And he is always pouring out goodness. He's not withholding from us. He's, he's gladly giving to us, and he's in a good mood. God's not mad at you. Not, God's not mad at us. He's, he's not mad. Now, when we sin, it hurts the heart of God, and he is willing and, 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 and loving, caring for us, and he confronts us. Aren't you glad that God confronts us? When we sin, it hurts his heart, and he confronts those things in our life. Hebrews 12 says this, Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard a child who never had to be corrected? Anybody got kids in here? All right. Every one of them's got to be corrected, even the best ones. And we all should welcome God's discipline as it validates the authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves that we are strangers and not his sons and daughters. When he corrects us, He's saying to us, greater than any time in our life, when he corrects us, he's saying, I really love you. I really have more for you than that. I really desire for, to see you reach your maximum potential that I created you for. And therefore, when you fall short, I bring correction in your life not because I'm mad at you, because I'm crazy in love with you, and I'm bringing you closer to my heart so that you can understand who I am, and I, and I can impart to you who you are created to be. 
So we should love and embrace when God corrects us. We should, we should say, God, correct me. We open the door to God and say, God, when I'm out of line, when I'm out of order, I ask you, Lord, to correct me. I ask you, Lord, to discipline my life so that I can be your lover, so that I can be your follower, so that I can be everything you created me to be. I embrace your correction because I know that you're good and you're, you're in a good mood. Now, I hate to confess this today, but there's times I whip my children when I probably shouldn't. I was a little mad. Nobody else has ever done that in here but me, and I understand. But there's been a few times that I've whipped my children because I was mad. And let me tell you something. They didn't receive correction when I was mad. They felt hurt and wounded and and pushed aside, and, and then they would tell me later, Dad, you, did, you just was mad. You are just mad, and then I'd have to apologize. But I have corrected my children, and I used to remember when my dad would correct me, and he'd say, and I didn't believe him, he'd say, this hurts me more than it does you, and I'm like, well, then whip yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, if this hurts you more than it does me, then let's spare me the pain. But my dad always did that to bring me back in alignment to what I was created to be. And so I want to embrace that today, that God, you're so good to me. You're so good to me that you're in a good mood. You're not whipping me out of anger. You're not correcting me out of anger. You're not disciplining me out of anger. But you're loving me and showing me who I really am and, and who you really are. God has always been a lover of mankind and desires to show his love for us. How many believes that? Amen. From the very beginning of time, God has always been a lover of mankind. I know that sometimes I've had people question me about that when they read in the Old Testament about the wrath of God. But even in those times when you read about the wrath of God, he was trying to bring a nation back into relationship. He wasn't just trying to destroy people. He was trying to bring a nation back into relationship. And he was a lover of people. And, and in Acts 14, it says this. In previous generations, he allowed nations to pursue their own ways. Yet, he has never let himself without clear evidence of goodness. For he blesses us with rain from heaven and seasons of fruitful harvest. And he nourishes us with food to meet our needs and he satisfies our life with this euphoria that fills our heart with joy that fills our heart he satisfies our life with peace he satisfies our life with love he satisfies our life with hope we're not living in a hopeless world we're not living in a hopeless life we're not wandering around like children in the dark and we're not we're not we're not orphans or strangers to this but he satisfies our life with this peaceful goodness of God Amen. and there's nothing that listen there's nothing in this whole world that can substitute that kind of love God is a good father in John 3, 16, I said this passage of Scripture of the day, and the kids all said it back to me. We all know this passage, passage well. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. I think we know that passage too well because that passage of Scripture begins to be just like something that we attach to our religious affairs and we don't really understand or we don't really put it to heart that God so loved us that he gave his son. When I think about how powerful that is that 
I would take one of my children and, and give one of my children to say, I, I wouldn't do it. I, don't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't take one of my children and say, I love you so much. I'm going to offer up one of my children for you. I just didn't have the heart to do that. But our father's love is so great that he took his own son his, that, that, that he loved so much and he offered his son as a sacrifice so that we could have life and that we could have peace. And there's... The scripture says there's no greater love than this. There's no greater love. And we believe that God loves us, but he wants us to experience his love. One of the last things I want to talk about today is how we can trust our Heavenly Father in any circumstance. Any circumstance. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. We put our trust in so many things that fail us, but if you put your trust in God, he can never fail you. He's never going to walk away from you. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to leave you alone. You can trust him. You can count on his voice always being near to you. You can count on the fact that every instruction that he gives you is for your good pleasure, and that you have hope in him. Romans 8 says this, For we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan to bring good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share in the likeness of his son. This means that the son is the oldest among the vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us into himself and transferred his perfect righteousness into everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does this all mean? If God had determined to stand with us, tell me then who could ever stand against us. For God proved his love by giving his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly would not withhold from us anything else that he has to give us. He certainly would not withhold from us. He's not holding back from us the gifts that he has for us. He's not holding back the secret that he has for us. He's not holding back his love for us. He's not holding back his goodness from us. He's desiring with everything within him to give to us so that we become everything that he determined for us to be. He's not against us. He's for us. And I don't know what circumstance you're walking through today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe family situations, money situations, job related, whatever it might be. But here's one thing I can tell you, that he is with you in every single circumstance. He is with you no matter what you're dealing with. He didn't bail on you when times got difficult. People might bail on you, but he's not bailing on you. People might run out on you when times are bad, but God's never going to run out on you. And listen to this. When people come against you, guess what? Nothing can harm you. When things come against you, situations come against you, be assured of one thing. Nothing is able to hurt you when you're, in, when you're walking with Christ Jesus, 
Look, we're going to go through storms. I think Michelle said a few weeks ago when she was ministering, you're either in a war, you're coming out of a war, or you're going into a war. I might say today that you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. This life has problems and storms and situations, and God's not afraid of your storm. He's not worried about your, your, your situation. God's not scared. He's not, a, he's not asleep. He's not, he's not gone on vacation. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. He's standing with you in his goodness and believing for you what you may not even see for yourself, God sees for you. God's, God's love is extravagant, extravagant, extravagant. And when we tell others what he's done, it builds our faith up, and we believe that he's wanting to do it again. How many's ever... How many's ever been through a situation, and when you get to another situation, you remember what God did for you in the last situation? Amen. David said it like this. He said, I looked in the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. You know what he was saying? I'm going out to fight a giant, but I'm not even afraid to go fight the giant because I've already killed a lion and a bear. Now, when he said, I've killed a lion and a bear, what he was really saying was, that I know that the God who's with me can help me to kill a lion and a bear. I know that I've already had victory in this one area of my life because God has never left me. And so when I face giants in my life, it's okay because the same God that delivered me then is the same God that's going to deliver me later. I share with you a short story this morning of when I was just a little boy, four years old. I had a double pneumonia. I was in the hospital. Uh, I was a very sick young man. But I'd been raised to believe that God was the healer. And so my parents would come in. My mom's a little warrior, and she would be crying and, and upset, and she was, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. The doctor would come in and give a bad report, and she would be tearfully crying and upset and about her son. And, and I would say to my mom, I'd say, Mom, just call the pastor. Have him come pray for me. Well, he came yesterday, baby. Well, call him again. <laughs> I mean, if you're worried, let's call the pastor because you told me that all my life that, that God's a healer and that, that if, if, you know, to call for the elders of the church and pray and, uh, and, and you'd be healed. So why are you crying? Why are you upset? Why are you worried about this? Because, you know, I believe God's going to heal me. And obviously he did. But so oftentimes our childlike faith begins to waver through the storms of life. And we forget that the God of mercy, the God of goodness, the God of kindness, the God of joy is always there to heal us. And we get to believe in things that are not the truth. And we begin to believe what the doctor said and what the bad report from, from the attorney said and what, and what the banker said. And all of a sudden we need to be remembered that God is good. He hasn't forsaken us, and he's in the middle of the storm with us. And what he said was, yea and amen. And if we just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. It may be a rocky for a moment. It may be a, a few winds crash up beside our, our ship. We may, we may find ourselves uh, in a little desperate moment. But trust me, one thing's for sure. He's going to be there, and he's going to see us through the storms of our life. 
And we're going to look back at those things and we're going to say, I remember when God healed me when I was four. And I remember when God saved me when I was in this situation. And I remember when God showed up in, in Chicago, Illinois, when I was strung out on drugs. And I remember when, and I remember when. And you're going to look to the road ahead of you and say, God will see me through every situation in my life because he is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. God is good. He's extravagant. He wants to pour out on us more than we can even imagine. And God is for us. And we know that if God is for us, we can trust him and nothing stand against us. God desires for us to prosper in every area of our life. How many believe that? Amen. Well, anybody besides you didn't say amen, tell them it's the truth. It's the truth. God, look, y'all are like, I ain't saying that to nobody besides me. Tell, tell somebody, God wants you to prosper. He wants you to prosper. Come on, let's, come on, come on. Just tell somebody, God wants you to prosper. Come on, let's get involved here just a minute. Let's speak the word over to somebody today. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be above and not beneath. He's called you to be the head, not the tail. And God desires for us to prosper in every avenue of our life, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and our vocation. God desires for us to prosper. He desires for us to be full of life. God desires to help us along our way. Psalms 101 says this. And with my whole heart and with my whole life and with all my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God, Yahweh. You are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracle of kindness you've done for me? You kiss my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with the love of mercy, and you've satisfied my every desire with good things. You have supercharged my life so that I may soar again like the flying eagles in the sky. God is good. He's extravagant. And God will never, never take his purpose or his plan from our life. We are God's masterpiece. Yes. We're God's masterpiece. I want you to get just a little bit for just a minute. I want you to have just a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you would call this. I'm going to call it arrogance because I don't know of another word right now. That's probably not the best word. Pride, confidence, <laughs> knowing. Like, I want you to say, I'm, I'm who God, I'm, I'm God's masterpiece. He created me special, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm God's masterpiece. You see, sometimes we don't believe that. We let the devil tell us otherwise. We let people tell us otherwise. We listen to the voices of man. But let me tell you something. You're God's masterpiece. He's created you for greatness. So when he comes to prune us, it's only meant to reveal our true identity so that we live in the fullness of his plan. He prunes us so that we can see who we are, so we can produce fruit. Worship team, you can come. He prunes us so that we can have life in this incredible life of abundance. He prunes us because he desires for us to fully understand who we are. His plan was to save the world through us. And every, that every person would have the opportunity to be saved, to heal, and set free. His plan was to save the world through you. He chose you 
to save the world. He chose you to be a world changer. He chose you, chose you to change lives around you. You, you think God really chose? Yeah, he chose you. And you may not understand that now. You may not be in a place where you can relate to that. But I'm going to tell you today that God's plan for your life was so that you could be a part of the kingdom of God and change the world around you. And he uses us in different ways to change the world. He's made some kings and some priests and some prophets. But every person in this place today has been chosen by God to change the world. And there are times we might think, man, God, do you even hear my prayer? Are you even aware of my present situation? Then we remember, wait a minute, how could you not hear my prayer or be aware of my present situation if you've chosen me? If I'm that important to you, then I know that you're listening to me and that you care and that you love me. And we should never think that God's not aware, but we understand that he's always, his ways are always higher than our ways. Scripture said his arm is never short, that he can't reach to where we are. He's not trapped in time like we are. God's not trapped in the time of we're watching the clock, God hurry up, show up. He's not trapped in time. And there's one thing's for sure. Just because you're having an emergency and a crisis, God's not. He's not having an emergency. There's no crisis in God's life. He's not rattled at the things around us. He's not, oh, oh, hold my breath. Oh. No, God's okay with what's going on in the world. He knows. And he knows the beginning to the end. He knows what's best for us so we can trust him that he is good and that he's in a good mood and he cares about your life. And I'm going to say it one more time because I know you've never heard me say this. He's crazy in love with you. He's crazy in love with you. Last week I was sitting on a hillside in Northern California. I had my journal out and I was writing in it. And I wrote in big letters, Thank you God for being crazy in love with me. Thank you, God. You see, I don't have to pull one of those little flowers up and pull the petals off of it and say, He loves me, He loves me not. Because all the petals say the same thing. He loves me, 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 He loves me more, He loves me best, He loves me great, He loves me amazing, He loves me all the time. He loves me when I fail. He loves me when I'm up. He loves me when I'm down. He's crazy in love with me. And because I know that God's crazy in love with me, and because you know that God's crazy in love with you, then you can walk in perfect peace through every situation in life and trust him and trust him.
because he's good and he's good all the time and he's in a good mood amen amen close your eyes let's pray together father god we just thank you today